Um, I am ready to go. As am I. Cool. Um, good. All right, we'll just do it tomorrow, yeah? <laughs> I'll see you then, bro. <laughs> I'm going to start now. Yep. <clears throat> ready for you to start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to start starting. Hold on. <laughs> Don't rush me. Welcome once again aboard Beef Sessions. <laughs> Join us as we rocket through the stars at the speed of sound. I'm Oscar. <laughs> Andrew. Here we are. We sat down, said, are you ready to start? And then started straight away yep. without faffing around for 40 <laughs> minutes and 19 seconds. That is what happened. That's for sure. That's How you doing, boy? Yeah, Good Jesus to see you Christ. again. It's actually been 40 minutes. Good to um, good to yep. good to EC you again as well. <laughs> That's CE. I'm, ad- <laughs> I'm addressing <laughs> you as SA. <laughs> uh, yeah, here we are for another week broadcasting from uh, Samsung Video Call. Mm. Once again, yeah. we're putting out a video call for Samsung to <laughs> fucking video chuck a few shekels our way. I really got to install. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I've got to install Zoom in that. I will allow a private company be, to be able to like sonically and visually map out the layout of my entire house, but, yep, but I can I can Photoshop myself in front of Little St James Islands. So. Uh, that's worth the it. second time I've heard it. What the fuck is Little St James Island? It's Epstein's Island. Oh, that is funny. It is funny. Yeah, it's funny. Thank you. Do you reckon he couldn't get the big St James Island? But yeah, yeah. No, he preferred little. Yeah, <laughs> you did too. No, see, you might not. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, you've... do you know something oh. about Jeffrey Epstein <laughs> that I don't? I th- <laughs> yeah, Fa- famous island investor is Jeffrey it, Epstein. Is this something I might have overlooked? <laughs> yes, uh. and this week uh, we're doing a, a little, a little, a little, a little film, <laughs> a little film called. Prisoners, prisoners, by prisoners. Denis. Pr- it's prisoners. Yeah. No, I'm gonna say prisoners, prisoners the whole time. <laughs> prisoners. Because <laughs> uh, that's first what, one to say prisoners properly loses. That's Let's what go. the French Canadian director would say. <laughs> prisoners. Prisoners. Directed directed by Denis Villeneuve, written yep. by Jesus Aaron Gazakovsky. Yeah. Uh, starring. Yeah, I reckon you got that right. I reckon so. Well, I would have said Guzikowski, but... Or maybe it could be like Guzikowski. Yeah, I reckon there's a little TZ in there, yeah. Let's let's find out where he's from. Aaron Guzikowski. Ah, he's from Massachusetts, so it doesn't fucking matter how I say it. So it is Guzikowski. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This dude... This dude definitely edited his own Wikipedia page. How's this? There's a personal life section for Aaron Guzikowski's Wikipedia page. Yep. He's only really written two or three movies. Personal life. Guzikowski moved to Los Angeles after selling his first script in 2009 and is married with three children. He was raised as a Catholic but is no longer practicing. (laughs) Yeah. And the uh, (laughs) citation for that is an interview about literally this movie. So, yeah. That is weird. That is weird. That's weird. No one... No one... (laughs) <laughs> and I repeat, not a single one is editing this Wikipedia page to make sure that everyone's clear about the fact that Aaron Guzikowski is no longer fucking practicing his 
Catholicism. I think this isn't funny, but it is Beef probably Station is, of course, our movie podcast, where each week <laughs> we watch a movie and discuss it. Yep, give you some bullshit. This this is a bit of this is a bit of now, the aforementioned yep. bullshit. You got away. Usually comes across the top of the show. Yep. Andrew, I'm giving an introduction. If you would, sorry. This week we're doing Prisoners. Yep. Directed by Denis Villeneuve. Yep. Written by Aaron Gotchikovsky. Yep. Starring Hugh Jackman, if I'm saying that right, and yep. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yep. It's actually Gyllenhaal. Probably is actually. What it is, is actually. Jill- no, 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 we, no, we should, we can't, we can't. But there's a double A in Gyllenhaal, actually. It's he says it right on a talk show once, and it's like, yeah, Scandinavian. I, I was like, I was, I didn't pronounce it right, but I'm closer than Gyllenhaal. It's like Gyllenhaal, or something it's like the that. Surname of a Swedish noble family descended from a cavalry lieutenant Nils Gunnarsson Hall, mm. who died in. 1680 or 1681. Yeah, Oscar, uh, we're doing a movie podcast right now, so if just... I could honestly do this for hours. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and by this, I mean not this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, <clears throat> I recommended this ages ago. I feel like this is probably another recommendation by a friend of the show, Zach. But to be honest, we were uh, churning through our respective Netflix cues. This is the first movie we could both agree on. And it was literally, um, yeah, it was it was a lot of like, oh, how about this? Like, nah. Do you want to watch this, this Beatles movie? How about movie? this? Nah. <laughs> nah. Do you want to watch this, uh, this four-hour movie uh, made by a Russian person uh, where none of the characters ever say a single word? Like, mm, no, nah, I'd rather not. <laughs> so this is the first one we could agree on. Yep. And I think it was a, pr- a pr- pretty, pretty, pretty happy little middle ground. It's a nice representation of the sort of movie that we can agree on. We'll talk about it later in the show. Yep. For now, we'll kick into a bit of news. Yeah. Um, I've got a bit of a new little setup going on here. Which, uh, <laughs> which celebs have, uh, which celebs have COVID this week? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Tom Cruise technically, no, no, not Tom Cruise. Tom Hanks is fine. Yep. Obviously, there's a, there's a news story about how. Tom Hanks and Rita Wilson caught coronavirus. Is it interesting? Do we, want, do we want to hear that? Let's find out. Let me just read the article. <laughs> this is my favorite part of the podcast: is me uh, me waiting to find out if an article is worth you reading or not. <laughs> not me reading an article, mind you. I don't get to read the articles. Uh, coming from Rita Wilson's interview show with CBS this morning, this week. Mm. fans now know the pair caught the coronavirus by coming into contact with another individual who had the coronavirus right. <laughs> while in Australia. So it wasn't, Although they uh, are still unsure of who that individual may be, <laughs> Wilson made sure to note that none of their close contacts, like friends and family, have come down with coronavirus. Yep. So, so the, the news sorry. here... That, that hey, article... Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> that the article here, is an ad for whatever's on the page. <laughs> That article is just uh, uh, to give money to whatever company's advertising on it. <laughs> Sony has some lightweight headphones they're selling. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, there's now an ad this, here. this I'm into. What ads are on your news pages? <laughs> there's an ad for a service called U Foods. Okay. Which I think is some sort of meal delivery. Like, like, like yeah, a recipe like a, yeah. uh, ingredient delivery service. Um. And that's what they're trying to flog by telling us that Tom Rita Wilson caught coronavirus from someone. From a person. 
<laughs> from from some person, from somebody. Tom Hanks himself didn't eat a bat, and that's all we have to worry yeah. about. Damn. Um, this new David Bowie film mm. that is still in the works has been released with a... Uh, it hasn't been released. Goddamn. Um, the first clip has been released. It's called Stardust. Yep. It stars some dude named Johnny Flynn in the lead role. And the new clip that's been released is Johnny Flynn as David Bowie doing a very impressive kind of uh, affectation of the Bowie kind of voice um, with Mark Maron p- portraying his publicist. Right. And I don't know, it's kind of a very low-key scene where nothing much happens. Um, but it, it's got me intrigued again, because now that I've seen some some, some moving pictures, you know, I, I just wonder, because it's set in the early 70s before Bowie was really famous, I think, when he was sort of getting up and becoming this Ziggy Stardust character. It makes mm. me kind of wonder what the movie's actually going to be, because I'm fairly certain this is still the movie that... Um, I'd say it'll be uh, about 24 frames a second for about 90 minutes uh, set, to, set to music. Because it, it doesn't have rights to any of the Bowie music, I think. And I really wonder That's how Bowie was mostly that. an actor, if you think about it. <laughs> It's just going to be entirely about his role in Labyrinth. I still (laughs) fuck. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine if it was just a movie about (laughs) about the development of the leather pants. Yeah. (laughs) Good shit. Yeah. They just never mentioned that he was a musician. (laughs) 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 That a rule. (laughs) Uh, How's how's this for a fun fact? David Bowie. His his name is David David Jones. Davy Jones. Yep. And he had to change his stage name to David Bowie because Davy Jones is the lead singer of the Monkees. Davy Jones is actually uh, famous. And he also has a, he also has a very famous locker dead. at the bottom of the sea. Yeah. 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 So I think he's probably more well known than whoever the fuck else you were talking about. Disney Plus censors Daryl Hannah's butt in Splash using questionable CGI. This rules. Now, this is a a very visual story, okay? So, listeners, I would urge you to go and look this up for yourself because I saw it without... Disney Plus Splash. I saw it without the context of knowing what it was and I thought, (laughs) that's one of the worst cover-up jobs I've ever seen in my entire life. And then I learned that it was uh, Disney doing it. I'm reading straight from NME here. Disney Plus removes nudity from Tom Hanks' film Splash with odd digital fur CGI. It's so funny. Um, Tom Hanks uh, starred in a film called Splash a little while ago now, featuring it's a the movie actor about falling him getting in love coronavirus. With, <laughs> with human woman Daryl Hannah. Yep. Um, because her name is fucking Daryl. What kind of a name is that? Mm. Anyway. Daryl Hannah as a mermaid. Are you sure who it's walks not Hannah Daryl? <laughs> Fuck, that'd be good. That'd be good shit. With like a <laughs> nude butt. Yeah. Uh, and famously... When it came out on Disney Plus... If you're Disney, people don't have asses. <laughs> it's just like... It's like a, it's like the front of a Barbie, but twice as wide. Yeah, God. There's no crack. Um, there's no hole. Nothing. Someone, someone on Twitter pointed out that uh, her ass has now been like a... Whatever it is, her ass has now been covered up by a uh, a piece of digital fur. Good. Uh, she said Disney Plus didn't want butts on their platform, so they edited Splash with digital fur technology. Great. And my God, does it look terrible. It looks really bad. It looks like someone... You know how you can make like 
if you're like editing a GIF on your phone, you can make like things stay in a certain <laughs> place by editing it frame by frame. That's like, like, like that's like how a bad top it hat looks. Emoji or something. Yeah, exactly. It looks so fucking bad. It's really, really terrible. Yeah, it's like something over the work experience get half an hour. It would be way less obvious that there was a nude <laughs> ass in the film if they just left the nude ass in the film. Oh, you're talking it's, about a nass. It's far more attention grabbing than buttocks. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, good old, uh, good old censorship of the female body. There we go. You love yeah, to free see the, it. Uh, free the yeah, buttock, fr- baby. free the ass. <laughs> <laughs> can I? I really need to get a. Can we get a shirt that's the beef station logo, but instead of beef station, it just ass. says free the ass. <laughs> well, we'd have to check with our artist see whether he's happy <laughs> to do that again. No, no, we could just go to Redbubble. Like, I'll do it in like. MS Paint hey, mate, we'll font. Pay you double. We need you to write "free the ass" this <laughs> yeah. time. Fuck. Good um, shit. Dialing back. Uh, speaking of speaking of asses yep. and freedom. Very good. Uh, sad news this week is that uh, Tim oh. Brooke Taylor died of the coronavirus this week. Tim Brooke Taylor was a hugely influential and uh, respected British comedian who is most famous as a member of the Goodies. Yep. The Goodies. I demand that you edit in the music here. Sure. Uh, man, I loved the goodies. They were very popular. Yeah, I remember uh, you talking they, about them when we were in high yeah, school. They um they were like a, it was like a comedy sitcom, British comedy fucking TV show. A sitcom on a situational a comedy. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's more of a sitcom than right. a situational. Com- okay. Um. In the seventies, I think that in Australia it's well known because the ABC used to broadcast it. Mm. I've seen case, it on I feel TV. Like it's yeah. one of those things where the only reason I've seen it is because my dad got the DVD yep. when I was a kid. It's the Monty Python of British when sitcoms. he was a kid. So good. I mm. reckon it probably dates fairly well, and it's I don't know. It's a, it's a piece of my childhood, and I was sad to see him. Sad to see him go. Yeah, the ripe old age of seventy nine as well. Um, his death prompted. Uh, contemporaries like John Cleese and Stephen Fry, to, and, and David Mitchell, is Bill Oddie. I, I, I to think all they were probably like to him. slightly less popular than the um, than like Monty Python, Monty but Python. sort of similar yeah. similar level of like recognition in the comedy world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, because like John John Cleese uh, performed with uh, Tim Brooke Taylor in the late sixties and early seventies. Um, and Tip Stephen Fry described him as one of his comedy heroes. Right. So it's he said, ah, oh, oh, I feel like if you don't know the goodies, you know, the, sh- the the ship has sailed, and maybe you'll have to look up some some of the episodes and watch them later. But it's mm. a, a, gr- a great little British comedy that was uh, a favorite of mine when I was a kid, and I was sad sad to see him go. Yeah. I think now it's let's find some other bullshit to lighten up the mood. Yeah, it's sad when these people die naturally. Sad enough, but it just feels like we're gonna have, like, probably gonna have a a fair few more than average celebs die because of this. Um, this yeah, virus. someone someone fucking bubble out Bob Dylan. God damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure he's in an underground bunker somewhere. <laughs> um, how's this? Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon could be released Excuse on me? Netflix. 
Martin Scorsese. He directed um, The Irishman and yep. other movies that are shorter than The Irishman. That's a bit after that that you said right. that I didn't quite uh, catch. Killers of the Flower Moon mm. is a movie that he's got coming out, and his headline says that it could be released on Netflix due to its huge budget. I'm not <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, the streaming giant Netflix snapped up the director's previous film, The Irishman, the, the, the last streaming year. streaming giant is a much less popular sequel to The Iron Giant. <laughs> it's when the BFG's taken a whiz. It's on Twitch. It's streaming giant, oh, right. baby. Uh, the streaming giant Netflix napped up, uh, snapped up the director's previous film, The Irishman, when no other studio could afford the total figure required to produce it. That's you kind of that? insane that, like... The movies are becoming yeah. so expensive that they're just like, no, nah, we just can't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, the k- Killers of the Flower Moon budget has already exceeded $200 million, which is $50 million more than The Irishman cost. Wow. Which means it would be the most expensive Scorsese movie ever made. Which is crazy, because um, like, when you think about what went... In, I haven't seen The Irishman yet, but when you think about what went into Wolf of Wall Street... I'll tell you Street, why you haven't seen The Irishman <laughs> yet, mate. it's eight and a half years long. You didn't have three weeks for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, the most expensive... One uh, movie. <laughs> is it? I, I haven't heard anything about that. The, um, it's the Wolf- reason I won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> is that why? It's... <laughs> <laughs> the Irishman, fuck, Wolf of Wall Street is really, um, really like ostentatious, like famously part of um, Scorsese's like cinema of excess uh, approach, <laughs> and it's it's wild that it really it's- is going for quantity over and also quality. quality. Yeah, that's as the expression goes. Um, the uh, it's it's wild that the budget is already past a movie that was like. Pretty fucking insane in terms of what it did. I guess the Irishman yeah. must have been so expensive because of all the CGI done on it. I guess. Do you guess? <laughs> I guess quite frequently. Actually. I don't know. I'll, yeah, well, I'll I'll wait and see. You'll find out in six months when I've finished the uh, literal running time of the film. But um, I had another. Sorry. Yep. Uh, but I just can't imagine that, like, a gangster movie is going to have anything in it that's that, like, that costs that much to actually produce other than the CGI, the digital de-aging. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. I had another story related to this movie, but I, I, I can't find it. And oh. then when I open up Google, it's just Googled coronavirus. <laughs> what the fuck is the coronavirus? Ah. <laughs> uh, bro, I've got some, uh, I've got some bad news. I got tickets to the Olympics. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> hope it doesn't interfere with that. Oscar, wake up! Oscar, wake up! You've been in a oh. coma for six years. Oscar, wake up! <laughs> Fuck. Um, That's a good bit, I reckon. Is the you've been in a coma for X years bit? Just telling someone, just going up to a random stranger on the street, being like, "Wake up! Wake, wake up! up. Wake got, up! You have to wake up. Your parents are here and they want to talk to you. Wake up!" <laughs> no, that's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Certified terrifying. <laughs> that could have been the All message right. well, just my, then. Uh, you never my, know. My, my, I don't know whether it's obvious that I'm I'm stalling, but my uh No, I don't I think I've covered for it very well. My computer's crashed, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Has it actually? Oh no, sorry, not the computer that's recording the audio. But your yeah. phone. My phone that I got all the news. <laughs> you were 
boasting about your fucking setup. <laughs> like, look, look, Ma, my phone's a computer now, and now you're telling me. <laughs> yeah, well, look. The, the Apollo 11 of broadcasting technology. Yeah, well, it really does feel like Ain't it has coming the back to Earth. capability of a fucking scientific calculator. Let's just... <laughs> it feels like it's got the broadcasting capability of a scientific calculator from the 1950s. <laughs> yeah. All right. When is this problem going to be solved? <laughs> All right, I got it. All right, hold on. Okay. Um, and we're back. All right. So, um, All right. Uh, Good to be back. Of, speaking of expensive productions. Yes. <laughs> speaking uh, of high budgets. This <laughs> this same Martin Scorsese movie, um, uh, uh, Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Wow. Okay. Uh, are encouraging people to donate to this uh, coronavirus charity. Right. And those who will donate are going to get a chance to win a walk-on role in the new Scorsese movie. Wouldn't it be great if they were filming? so soon after the lockdown that, like, they couldn't actually meet anyone. Like, they had to clear <laughs> off the whole set. And they're like, all right, fucking, on you go, mate. And they walked on and they're like, good, all right, you go home and we'll get all the actors back in. <laughs> we got to roll De Niro out from his hazmat suit and then we'll yeah, go. Yeah. Good shit. Or someone just comes um, up to him with, like, a full hazmat and they're like, we promise you it's Robert De Niro. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, there's been a... Speaking of Robert De Niro, there's been a, a, a new a new image released from the Dune movie, which is still set to come out Robert in December Dunero. of 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. Robert uh, uh, Dunero. Is that is that related to the Dune movie? No. Robert what? De Niro. Timothy Chalamet is set to play... Paul uh, Atreides. Paul Atreides, Atreides, yeah. Don't ever crack me again. In the first image that's been released from this new Denis Villeneuve movie, uh, Dune, which is coming out this year. Um, Which is coming out this year. This year. In twenty (laughs) four, which is coming out in. (laughs) I don't know. Um, I'm kind of sick of being drip fed fucking details about bullshit like this. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Ah, Um, says Mister. One or two Bond news stories a week for the last fifty episodes. One one or two. What sorry? Bond news. Next headline: James Bond (laughs) is back in M's office in new No Time to Die photo. A, <laughs> a new behind-the-scenes image from No Time to Die has been released showing Daniel Craig with director Carrie Fukunaga on the MI6 headquarters set. Great. Sorry, you said this was a news story? Because what you just told James me is, that, is back that a photo exists. <laughs> J- J- James Bond is back in M's office in a okay. new set photo from No Time to Die. The James Bond movie, the 25th, insto- uh, uh, it was supposed to have already come out, but its release has been pushed back to November. And so now clearly somebody's fucking panicking and trying to think of how they're going to stretch out this marketing that was already stretched quite thin, oh, yeah. if you ask me. And it seems that no one had asked me. Uh, we're going to be getting a whole lot more fucking news between now and fucking November, it seems. Now, I can't remember uh, because none of these stories actually have story of any substance, but was it a significant thing in like the last movie that... M's office got blowed blowed up or something. I seem to recall M's that as like a plot point. did indeed get blowed up. Right. But, so um, maybe there's a new M's office. Oh my god! They built M a new office. Yeah. No, you're right. This, this is newsworthy. <laughs> Head of MI6 not working from home. Yep. I uh, I imagine that they wouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'd say uh, that, I'd say that they that they're important enough. I'd say they they need to be in the office. Yeah, there aren't any other new movies to look forward to over the next couple of months, and no. so fans apparently, according to Screen Rant, are disappointed by the turn of events, which has led to No Time to Die being delayed. Uh, if in an effort to give viewers something Bond related as they count down the days again, the studio has released this one behind the scenes image. <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ! If you like, if if you like images, wait till you see twenty four images this every image. second for three and a half days. <laughs> that way, you can be watching the Irishman. <laughs> Boy, I love frames. Just can't get enough of them. Well, I've got one million five hundred thousand of them for you. <laughs> Um, Just googling one million five hundred thousand divided by twenty-four to find out how many seconds that would be. How many seconds is it? And then divided by sixty. Yeah. Give you the number of minutes it is. It's the minutes. Uh, one thousand and forty-one. That's a long movie. <laughs> Go divided by three and a half to give you how many Irishmen's it is. Well, divided by sixty. That's seventeen yeah, hours. hours. <laughs> right now, divided by three and a half. Great bit of podcasting here, Andrew. Uh, that's 4.96 Irishmans, <laughs> which is also the number of Irishmans that are in the Irishman. <laughs> I look forward to having heard the elevated music three times already in this episode. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's going to be a lovely... 4.96 Irishmans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's good shit. All right, next headline here. Robin, Robin Hood is going to get a live-action slash CGI remake for Disney+. Plus. Disney is developing a live-action CGI remake of the fucking Fox. You know, you know, you know the you know the the Disney the Disney movie with Robin Hood, where Robin Hood is like a sexy fox. Yep, they're gonna do that. But is, like, sorry, uh, <laughs> a what? You're thinking of Zootopia, mate. <laughs> you know that you, you know that you know that Disney movie with with Robin Hood in it that makes you feel all funny in your downstairs yeah. room. <laughs> yeah, I do know that one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's going to feel a whole lot funnier, let me tell you. <laughs> you thought Dumbo made you feel... You, you thought Dumbo it's gave feel you at least pants. twice as funny with well, 500 this, times the budget. This Dumbo has pre-booked his tickets already. <laughs> Great. To see that Dumbo. That Robin Hood. Yeah. 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 That's it. Okay. Um, that sucks. Yeah. Great. I like that movie, I think. I think I've seen it. I've actually never seen it. It's got a lot of... I feel like um, a lot of the... It's got really interesting... like char- The way that the characters move is really Does it funny. Just? Yeah. It's funny, is it? It's uh, enthralling. Enthralling? It's compelling. It's compelling. It's good, it's, is it? Stop saying the words that I say. It's making me very <laughs> self-conscious. <laughs> self-conscious, uh, uh, is it? Tom, Tom, <laughs> okay. Tom Hardy. Yep is going to be starring in a new Al Capone biopic, <laughs> yeah. which is going to be debuting on streaming services. Probably. Debuting. Have you watched the trailer? Don't ever correct me again. <laughs> no, I haven't. It's, but the name of the director is Josh Trank, which he can't says, be a good sign. In this movie trailer, he says about eight words, and five of them sound crazy. A five so, of them, my name is Al Capone? No. It, That'd be good. It, it's like unintelligible screaming, but it's very clear that he's affecting a serious like performance <laughs> accent, and I reckon it's going to be his uh, most interesting and dynamic performance since Venom, where he was like, oh, is there a problem? 
Oh, I don't know how to. Uh, I'm, my, my name's Andy, and I take photos. It's going to be very <laughs> it'll be, good. It'll be Tom Hardy's third fucking movie where he's had a major problem with his voice. And yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Bane. Jesus Christ. Yeah, but I thought that was what you were doing originally. No, it's the Venom. The one. He, yeah. he has a wild. Some of the strangest line readings I've ever heard come from Venom. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it's, it's apparently going to be probably released theatrically, if only because they're still sticking to their fucking May release date. Jesus, really? Oh, uh, uh, well, no, no. Now, now they're saying it's going to be like a one of those like sort of two day rental type things where you pay um, like $30 online dollars to rent. Yeah, it or yeah, some yeah. Shit. I'll probably go so in on that. I think that'll be crazy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know that much about Al Capone. Well, have I got a movie for you? <laughs> <laughs> Have I got right, a movie uh, for you right here? So there's prob- there's been, uh, uh, Orlando Bloom reportedly in talks to play Joe Exotic in a Tiger King film. Oh, Joe Exotic himself, suge- Joe Exotic himself suggested that he be played by Brad Pitt. I liked the documentary, and then I watched the last episode, which is like um, this recap episode with uh, Joel McHale from Community. Did they end up releasing a later episode later? Yeah, yeah. And it's like oh, Joel cool. it's Joel McHale on his couch doing a two camera like talk show style interview with a bunch of the different cast members. And it just right. you know how like there's this phenomenon recently of like directors going back. I mean it's been happening for a while, but it's getting more easy and popular to do. Where like directors yeah. will go back and re edit their movies, being like, I didn't get it right the first time. Let me uh, let me have another <laughs> go with this. This is like it we're we're seeing an unprecedented era of being able to like retrospectively edit your own art later if you're not happy with it or add to it or whatever and i fucking hate it like you get one chance when you're releasing your shit one okay one One shot if you shut up and if you are you gonna go for it you do not get let it slip you don't get a second shot at it your mold is ready (laughs) one second let me just uh you're not gonna be able to hear this but i'm gonna loudly beep the audio (laughs) um the uh yeah, so I don't know. It, the fact that like ti- uh, fucking Tiger King came out, what? How it, it it's been out for like, like two weeks ago, fucking yeah. month, like maximum. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's only been well known for like two weeks. And they're like, it's gonna be a movie with a land of bloom in it. We're gonna make a fucking billion dollars. <laughs> I hate it. I just hate it. I really Hell fucking yeah. hate it. Um, so, well, yeah. what's it gonna be? It's just gonna be. Orlando Bloom acting like a hillbilly with two. Yeah, exactly. Tigers. It's going to be moments from, and then there's going to be moments from the documentary, and people are going to be like, "Oh, you remember when he did that in the documentary?" Uh, it's going <laughs> to suck. Um, okay, we'll do this last story here. This is a bit strange. Good eye. Brie Larson. Yep. Very good. I'm in already. Uh, no, hold on. Yep. Uh, art that's been revealed as to what Sorry. Brie Larson. Gary Larson put- ate a full wheel of Brie and passed out and died. <laughs> The son of a man named Lars. (laughs) In the year 1266. Here's the headline. What Brie Larson could look like as a live-action Princess Peach from Mario Brothers. Right? Okay. New new fan art reveals what Captain Marvel actress Brie Larson could look like as Princess Peach in a live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. What do you mean fan? Why am I hearing a news article about fan art about Brie Larson as Princess Peach? Uh, although there's probably no live-action Super Mario movie on the horizon, 
<laughs> Illumination Studios is on track to release an animated Super Mario Brothers movie in 2022. <laughs> Unfortunately, details are incredibly scarce. The plot and voice cast for the characters have not been revealed yet. Right, so with that, with that information... <laughs> My stomach hurts. I don't feel artist, good. An artist has shown what Brie Larson could look like as Princess Peach in a new live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. Uh, a part, another, this isn't the same time that Brie Larson has been featured in such <laughs> art. Another popular artist did a piece in 2018 showing what Larson might look like as Samus Aran from Metroid. <laughs> this is getting dangerously close to This smart. might be the worst article you've ever read out on the show. <laughs> Not, that, not your fault. <laughs> it's such a bad article. To say the least, Super Mario is a worldwide icon. God damn. What service is this the games on? Have been, this is on screen, right? The, the we games have been we used to... Remember when we used to think that articles that were actually about movies were scraping the bottom of the barrel? Remember when we used to think that? Remember when no, you used is, to read an article is, no, she's, she's and it was like... Star, baby. This is about movies. Look at, um, look at uh, Daniel Craig was wearing a watch this week and it said, uh, yeah, no yeah, time yeah. to die on the watch yeah. face. You can buy the watch here for $5,000. And we were yeah. like, that's an ad, not an article. You remember that? Yeah. This has even yeah. less of a purpose than that. Uh, perhaps unsurprisingly, the character's world was given the live-action treatment in 1993. As fans know, the movie ended up being a critical failure, and since then, many have wondered what a well-made Super Mario movie might look like. I'm begging. Princess Peach is one I'm of the most recognisable video game characters in existence. Surprisingly, she was not even featured idea. in the 1993 movie, making fans wonder how the princess might appear in the live-action world. On Twitter... Artist Apex Form has answered the call by putting Brie Larson behind the crown. Check it out below. Uh, it's Brie Larson in a pink crown and a unsurprisingly tight-fitting pink costume that looks nothing like Princess Peach's actual clothes. Right. She's already a human. So you could just... It's like, I get that being like, oh, what would Mario look like if Mario was a real person? Because Mario... <laughs> whilst, not whilst not entirely accurate to the video game character, the image shows how Peach could be <laughs> adapted with some liberties taken. Fucking hell. This article is describing <laughs> what fan art is. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. This is so good. This user has illustrated what might happen if a human took a pen and put it upon a piece of paper and trace lines with it until those lines form something reminiscent oh, right. of a human form. Brie Larson fans can look forward to Captain Marvel 2 as they contemplate her in the hypothetical princess role. I'm gonna need to move on from this. <laughs> I had a hypothetical princess role for lunch today. Nice. That's pretty good, actually. From Rold? <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> nah, joke's on you. I don't live anywhere near a Rold. Yeah. The joke that's is it. That's on all me. the news I got. I think that's quite possibly one of the worst uh, news I think, segments I've ever I, done. I think the article before that was all the news you fucking had. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's news. That's news. Good God. Someone posted a weird picture to the internet with a, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. I suppose right? in a technical sense, it is news. Aren't we all news deep down inside? In a way, yeah. If you really think about it. To a similar extent that that is, yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, all right. I think it's, uh, it's, it's probably all the news I've got. It was stretching it to its limits as it was. Um, yeah, Jesus. Uh, have, you, have, you, have you got any beefness or pleasure, boy? We're going to get down to our, our very serious beefness later in the show, but if you've got any pleasure, then I think now's probably the time to air out those uh, pleasurable grievances. You um you really skimped out on the intro there, and I was really hoping that you'd go for it because I needed you to buy me some time so that I could look at my viewing activity on Netflix, where I have watched uh. some movies. Okay, cool. Yeah, found it. Great. Shut up. Um. All right. So <laughs> I watched, uh, I watched a couple of different movies since we last spoke. Really? Why don't you tell me what, what those movies they are. are? I would. Love to do that. Uh, I watched uh, a movie that you're considering that you, we were talking about watching. This was the contender. It is the movie for... we were just talking about. What the fuck were you stalling for then? No, because there's another one as well. And I, I couldn't remember what the other one was. The Platform is uh, a new movie that I think also was uh, distributed and bought by Netflix. Um, it's in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by no one that you know and starring uh, also Spanish no people. one that you know. Um, directed by, here we go, Golda go Gaztelu Uritia. I think I did that oh. pretty well. Um, I went to high school with Golda Gaztelu Uritia. I think this was recommended by, was this recommended by a friend of the show, Anna? No, it was recommended by a friend of the show, Callum. Oh, Closely linked to friend of the show Anna, so yeah, the, okay. yeah, exactly. This closely is closely like, linked. One might say <laughs> it was. Um, <laughs> it was kind of pitched as like a. Uh, I think they mentioned that it was like a horror movie. Um, I'm com- currently shopping around for close links of my own. So if there's anyone that's interested, <laughs> hit me up. <laughs> it's not really a. Cuff him, boys. He's horny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, he he's horny is the sentence that just formed in my mouth, which is not the one that I meant to say. I meant to say it's not really a horror movie; it's more of a conceptual sci-fi. I suppose it feels a little bit like a thriller at some point, but you'll see what I mean by that. Um, so it's about it's not really a, a horror movie. It's more of like a period drama. <laughs> yeah, literally, it's like pretty far from a horror movie. Um, there isn't really. I mean, it's suspenseful, sure, but there's not like, um, there's not like a supernatural creature. It's not like uh, there's oh no, like, my god zombie movie or anything. So it's not really a horror movie. Um, Is it scary? Not really. Uh, it's more like, like I said, it's 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 a sci-fi and it has like thriller elements, maybe. But really, uh. it's just like I mean, it's as much of a. Uh, horror movie is Snowpiercer, which is in its recommendations on Netflix. So, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty close to that. Um, the So, it's about a uh, giant tower that's basically a prison. And this man, uh, he wakes up and we slowly learn that um, he's volunteered to be a part of this system, uh, which is, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but basically this this tower prison thing and uh he wakes up with one other person in his cell and there's a giant hole in the floor like the size of like a large table i guess and um <laughs> it's like probably it's like meters wide it's like a big hole how you many, could easily how many people would this table seat uh probably 10 like it's a big dining think of like, like a, a round big table? table no like a square, like rectangular, a rectangular. Table. Yeah. it's a rectangular hole in the floor 
Yes, huge rectangular hole in the floor, and you can see the floors below, and you can see the floors above. And he wakes so up, and there's a maybe big two like two on the short sides, and then four on each of the long. There's sides. a big like forty nine or something on the wall, and he learns that he's on the forty ninth floor of this building. And uh, I guess the, in- the 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 point is that food descends on a platform from the first floor down, and it goes past each floor, and at each floor it stops for two minutes at a time, and um uh what that means is um everybody so the, the first... people on the 49th floor are going hungry that's what exactly. it sounds like so the first floor eats first and then the second floor they eat their fill and then the second floor eats their fill and you and know who by eats the time the second floor by the time you're the fifth floor so by the time you're getting down <laughs> to like by the time you're getting down to like the um you know the 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 40s you're eating uh some some people's leftovers and it's pretty gross um and basically you you learn more about this cellmate you learn i don't want to spoil too much of it because i think you should watch it it's actually one of the most interesting like concepts for a movie that i've seen in fucking ages it's it's really kind of hard to describe and it's Um, all mostly set in this prison it's entirely set in the prison except for like one scene which is kind of a flashback (laughs) so like (laughs) so for one scene where he escapes at the end (laughs) <laughs> um, there's so a no. the movie Buried Remember we saw Buried in the yeah, cinema Yeah 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 Which it's is mostly not... Mostly filmed in this like coffin So that if you go like It's all filmed in the coffin It's like Right well then He's yeah. not getting out of the fucking coffin Yeah, is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert for Buried He doesn't get out of the coffin <laughs> um, Yeah so uh, th- I mean, he, he's not always that on the same that would be good by the way if people were like I'm just going to sit down and watch this obscure fucking yeah. Ryan Reynolds drama from 10 years ago but first you're going to listen to what the <laughs> beef boys have to, to say station. that's happened to me a couple of times where I've been like absolutely determined to watch a movie and it's just been like randomly brought up in a podcast episode and I have to like stop listening to the podcast that I wanted this to listen to this movie we're doing this week was spoiled on a podcast for me oh really this movie's 7 years old yeah, um, you're talking about uh, prisoners. Yeah, yeah, prisoners. Yeah, it's pretty funny. We're talking about those. Sorry. So you're um, talking about this fucking Spanish ass prison movie. Yes, the platform. Yeah, where so, he gets out of the movie at the end of the movie. He gets out of the prison at the end of the movie. Uh, I'm not going to comment, but it doesn't work like that. So this is the he, movie where he cr- crawls through a, a tube of shit. And he, yes, it is the, the, the yeah. platform redemption. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the uh, spoiler alert for the short <laughs> 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 so new rule if a movie is more than two years old and we bring it up we have to spoil it even if it disrupts conversation <laughs> um yeah so uh they the, the and i guess another gimmick of this movie is that like it's not a gimmick Story three, they all burn in the furnace at the end <laughs> keep going sorry very good um the they have to so at the end of a month they're on each floor for a month and then they are um gassed and they wake up Jesus. and uh they're on a different floor and so a random floor well it, it's, it's sort of yet to be yet to be seen um <laughs> and then it's um what well, it seems like it's random but you're never really quite sure so right. the um the, the and obviously like they don't know he asks his cellmate at one point because he wakes up in a cell with this old dude um who's like been doing it for a while and so he kind of like learns a bit from him and, uh, yeah, it's, he's like, not sure how many floors there are. And so like, there's no food past like the f- sort of 60th floor. So, um, right. what do so you do? So it kind do of explores no life food? in the prison like this. 
Yeah, and the main character is an oddity because uh, for two reasons. One, he is the only person that's volunteered to go into the thing. It's yeah, normally meant to be a prison. He volunteers. That? He says like he wanted to quit smoking and he needs to read <laughs> and he needs to read more. So he has he I has like quit really smoking and starve to death. It's a very like it's quite a philosophical movie in a lot of ways. So a lot of things like that, it they sort of don't they don't make sense for like particularly compelling narrative reasons it's obvious like and you you can bring a single object in with you and so like most people choose to bring like i'm going to bring a knife or i'm going to bring a gun or whatever and he chooses to bring a copy of don quixote the book and so like obviously that's a very famous literary piece so it has some fucking read don quixote literally yeah um and he, like it, part Back of it is hell. That- Don Quixote, a book so boring you have to lock yourself in a fucking cannibalistic prison or whatever the fuck. I know you've never read that shit. <laughs> so I um, read Don Quixote. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So he's an oddity for for both the reasons that he brings a book instead of a weapon, I guess, or another thing. Um, Don Quixote's probably pretty heavy though. And uh, he volunteers to go in. And so it's about like... The man, he's fat as shit. Him surviving in this prison thing, learning how it works and what actually goes on. And um, and yeah, the couple of... There's a few characters that he meets that uh, have really key roles in the whole process. It's not a long movie. I think it's about... It's an hour and a half. Um, it's really interesting. It's clearly got a lot of like religious... Oh, an hour and a half. Religious themes. Yeah, how many? Sorry, I think that's three Irishmans. I, I'll watch this movie three times. You watch The Irishman once. How do you yeah, like you, I think you already made that joke in a group chat, but yeah. Um, the uh, It's got some really strong like re- religious themes. It's got some really strong like political themes. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah, it was one of those movies where yeah, I, cool. I immediately went off and like listened to... Uh, a, a podcast episode breaking down the themes and I want to watch like <laughs> some extra content about it. Um, it was a shit it podcast sounds, episode, so don't worry about it, but um, it sounds like it will be very claustrophobic as a movie. It's actually not. Um, <laughs> it sounds, it sounds like it would be, but the cell and, and it, this sounds like it's going to be dumb, but the cells are extremely, extremely large. So like, well, they're not extremely large, but they're like a decently sized room. So they're not like cramped in or uncomfortable. It's more dining tables. It's more the way that people treat each other that's the focus of the movie rather than the physical space. And of and course, is it set like, in like a futuristic kind of it's, setting. Yeah, or? I'd say it's probably futuristic. Like for instance, the platform is like a it's like a just a, a slab of stone and it descends through the floors, but you're never sure how it's actually moving and it's never mm. explained. So it's clearly like future technology. Um, right. And it's run you know, by there's this no big um, piston or anything. No, no, it's run by this uh, thing called like the administration, la administración. And um, <laughs> and also, what's something else that's really interesting is like I think the Spanish translation of the title of this film actually means the whole, which is like obviously oh. the opposite to the English title's meaning. So um, I think <laughs> there's platform. probably a little bit of like um, pla- you know, platforms, the opposite of a hole. Um, but like well, the platform goes in the hole. Well, when you're talking so about the English the, um, people are looking at the platform going down, the Spanish people are thinking about the hole going up. When you're talking about the philosophical analysis of the film and, like, the thematic breakdown, I suppose one could read that it means that from a more, like, Eurocentric, as in, like, Anglocentric perspective, we're more focused on, like, what is what is present on the platform, whereas the Eurocentric <laughs> view is about, like, what's, what's lacking and what's missing. So, um, and it's, like, obviously extremely, like, sociopolitical 
in its uh, in its themes. I really liked it. Uh, I thought it was like one of the more. It managed to be a really compelling and interesting movie while still having some really cool like. Ah, I see. I I, I get what they're kind of doing there. At moments, yeah, right. which was cool. Really interesting. Oh, also, well. really strong aesthetic. Good cinematography. Pretty gory. Go into it, I suppose. It's really good. I enjoyed it as like even like a junky kind of movie, but I feel like there's a lot to go beneath the surface on. So. Yeah, pretty well, cool. As long as it's not one of their movies where you got to read, then I'm all in. Oh, well, I got bad news for you. Unless you speak fluent Spanish. Because <laughs> oh, then it's not oh, a well, movie no, that you have, have to, to read. I'll have to go in. Uh, it's good. Good, it's good recommendation on the part of our pal Cal. Yeah, I, I also suppose? watched Moneyball, which I'll be a lot more brief about. Um, Moneyball is a movie about Brad Pitt playing a baseball team's general manager. Um, I think it's the Cle- no, Cleveland A's. The A's, whatever that uh, team is. Who, who gives baseball. a shit? American sports. My, all my, all my sports. My idea of this movie was that if I didn't really care about baseball, then I wouldn't really care about the movie. Discuss. Uh, it's still interesting, but I mean, I think I would have found it a lot more interesting. I might have really liked it if I really liked baseball, because a lot of it right. is like talking about like, uh, this guy doesn't know how to play this position and you got to put him in this position. Uh, no one's ever done that. And you kind of just have to be like reading the meaning of that through the performance. But I guess if you, as a someone like who doesn't know shit like about a legal baseball. Like drama or something. Right, exactly. And you're yeah. like, I don't know what the fucking clause technicality is that they're talking about, so what do I care? But I just have to assume that right. they're going to tell me in a way that I get. Was so, this yeah. written by Aaron Sorkin? This is written by someone. This is like a famous... Moneyball. Oh, right. Yeah, well, that explains a bit of it. Um, <laughs> that explains why it was fine instead of good. Um, good he, it, It's like... Uh, it's like a... <laughs> sorry. I just noticed the cinematography was done by Wally Fister. <laughs> Great Last fucking name. Fister. <laughs> Fister with a P, too. PF. Uh, um, so, it's yeah. Brad Pitt plays the general manager of a baseball team, and he meets uh, Jonah Hill, who's like... No one in baseball knows fucking anything. They think that they can, like, look at players and, like, judge them by how they sort of feel. And everyone's biased and everyone's really shit at evaluating players. So, no one's hiring a team that's actually good. I run statistical analysis of teams. And so, I'll hire based on the stats and I'm guaranteed to win. And Brad Pitt's like, yeah, okay, that makes a lot of sense. And then it's about, like, them two trying to make their idea work while everyone tells them that they're crazy and they're undoing what baseball is and blah, blah, blah. Um, right. And, like, spoiler alert, it, it pays off in the end. So, it's pretty good. Um, decent performances, not the best, not the most compelling. It's interesting, I guess, that it's based on a true story, but, I, I mean, I'm guessing a lot of it is, like, Hollywoodized, so whatever. I You can give this one a miss. It's been on my list for ages, but you, the listener, unless you're a baseball fan, whatever. Um, I watched yeah, right. it okay. when I woke up in bed and didn't have anything to do, and um, <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. It was <laughs> Can you tell fine. me you've been on leave for three weeks? Yeah. Oh, have I? Instead like, of being in I, hiking fucking <laughs> mountains in New Zealand, I watched I, Moneyball. That honestly sounds better than me, but that's fine. Oh, uh, God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, should we launch? I, I don't uh, sorry. I really got too much this week. Uh, uh, 25 words or less. I also went in on uh, Ozark, which is a TV series that I've been waiting to go in on for fucking yeah, ages. Yeah, how that? Um, it's good. It's good. So that's got Jason Bateman, who yeah. is famous for being in Arrested Development and a bunch of other shit. Um, yeah. You, if you don't know who Jason Bateman is, yes, you do. You just don't know his name. Um, no, he was famous for being in Arrested Development and a whole bunch of other shit. Uh, yeah. And uh, oh, he's the guy from Juno. That's where I first learned um, who Jason Bateman was. The um, uh, basic premise is I, I feel like they're trying to do Breaking Bad but a, a little bit differently um, so the premise is like 
uh, Jason Bateman plays this like really humble. Um, they do a bait and switch with Breaking Bad. So like in the first episode, he plays this really humble financial uh, analyst who's working for this big right. firm, and then uh, you realize that and, like spoiling sp- spoiling the first episode, but like none of the rest of the series, you realize that like he actually launders money for huge drug criminals and he's like right. not he's not what he looks like at first so he's he plays this like really meek character but obviously that's it, there's a lot more to him than meets the eye and it's got pretty interesting cinematography i feel like it's going to run out of steam i'm like most of the way through the first season and it's still really entertaining right. um but yeah we'll see we'll see how we go it seems pretty good i'm enjoying it so far and it's kind of about him and his family having to like deal with the fact that he gets into a lot of trouble so it's it starts off i feel like it starts off like breaking bad where you think that he's gonna have to hide everything (laughs) and then it's immediately like no this guy started off being what he kind of is and he has to deal with the consequences and he's his family like finds out about it um that sounds interesting yeah, it, it is interesting. It's really well acted. Uh, isn't there like a whole ton of it as well on Netflix? Uh, I think it's up to the third season. Also, Laura Laura Linney, I think is her name. She played, yeah, right. uh, she was in American Beauty, I think, as the uh, the wife. And she's also in Love Actually, your favorite movie. And um, <laughs> so, she's really, really good in it. She, uh, I will say, I think the best part of this show is the performances. They're really excellent. So you said it's like Breaking Bad. Does that mean it's like mostly like an? Because Breaking Bad, I'd say, is mostly like an intense drama with some fun kind of scenes in there. Yeah, it's is almost that the same like, kind of tone. I, I think so. It's got some more, almost like more surreal tone to it. So they end up. Um, the reason it's called Ozark is because they end up moving to Missouri, the, uh, the some of the Great Lakes around there, and so they're in All like right. re- redneck country, and some of the rednecks speak really like eloquently like really they have like almost elevated language so it almost serves the same purpose as like um uh the the lighthouse um his name is escaping willem defoe's character in the lighthouse where someone is speaking in a way that doesn't align with what the voice of their character is and that can be quite interesting so it's almost got these like surreal moments but a lot of breaking bad like tense drama around that yeah pretty good yeah okay cool i didn't really get that too much this week uh i've been sort of (laughs) <laughs> uh, I don't know, just sort of ch- ch- chilling out. My whole house literally is full of poo at the moment. Mm. The, uh, the 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 beef station va- vacuum toilet's all backed up. Oh god! Yeah, you could say that my carpet <laughs> is full of poo. shit and piss. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. Yes, you literally had a sewer main burst under your house. It's oh, fucking god. terrible. So, yeah, so, so th- this week I've been. Uh, we should have opened with that in hindsight. <laughs> <laughs> back in on Stardew Valley in a big way. Yeah. Because I've got it on the Switch and I'm back on my, oh, <laughs> so with good. my folks for a couple days. Oh, God. I'm sorry, dude. It's terrible. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. I've been, yeah. I've, been, I've been playing a lot of Stardew. I took my own advice. Yeah, it's the calming game that lets you totally escape from your own reality. Oh, it's so yeah. good. Um, I, I took my own advice and went back in on Community, which is such a funny, oh, yeah. funny Speaking show. of Joel McHale not having a career since 2009. It's so good, man. I, I've never seen anything after, like, because there's season season four. Season three, season a bunch Dan of Harmon. shit happened or something, right? Season three is great, but season four, Dan Harmon got fired. Right. And then season five and six, he's back. And I never went back in on five and six. Right. So okay. two whole seasons of Community that I've never seen. Right. Which I'm looking forward to. So I'm going to dive back in on that this week, and I've sort of just started, and I'm enjoying it so far. Cool. Uh, but that's sort of where I'm at. I didn't really get up to anything very exciting in the way of pleasure. Yeah, I've had got, a lot I, more, I, I a just, lot more time on my hands. I think I just got the beefness 
uh, underway, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then a sewer backed up into my house. <laughs> and that brings me what to luck. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. It's something really I would have much rather that had backed into my life a lot, a lot, a lot sooner than all of the shits that I've taken for the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is prisoners. Yes. Which is a great little a great little movie that we watched this week, directed by Denis Villeneuve, mm-hmm. uh, written by the bloke that we were riffing on earlier, this fucking uh, American bloke with a funny name. That's him, Aaron Gazakowski. Yep. <laughs> this is recommended, I think, by a friend of the show, Zach. If yeah, I it's. I think it's anyone. his favorite film. Previous guest, Zach. Yeah. Fuck. Favorite film. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I this- would not. Has this dude seen Tiger King? <laughs> now that's a film. Not yet, Orlando but it will Bloom? be his favorite movie when it comes out. Yeah. God damn. No, so this this movie. Uh, this What's this movie, movie about? It's like a thriller. It's a crime thriller. I ah, had put a thriller. I I had put it in the same kind of vein when I wrote down. At the, I I put it in the same kind of vein as like Gone Girl, maybe, mm. or mm-hmm. like um, <laughs> because, sure. because there's a girl and then she's gone. <laughs> um. <laughs> it's about a serial a serial child abduction uh, uh, abductor. Well, you don't even really find that out at the start. It's about this. this okay, nice we'll cut that out. <laughs> so what's it about? It's it's about this. Um, this like Hugh Jackman plays this like loving father uh in it feels like a conservative kind of christian family and they they're in the middle of winter in, yeah it like, it opens like on him like hunting with his son and then he's got a crucifix on so and it's he kind gives of the lord's prayer before they shoot the deer it, it it's set in like the middle of the middle of winter i don't know exactly where it's supposed to yeah, be yeah in wikipedia some... says like pennsylvania but i would never have gotten that <laughs> sure uh, basically it's like set around thanksgiving and two family two families that are all friends come together for thanksgiving and during the whole thanksgiving day celebrations the two small uh children that are girls from each family oscar's gesturing with his hands to show you how small they are he's doing, doing small <laughs> small missing. hand gestures small daughter from one These family girls, and small daughter from another family small. go missing these are normal size girls these are small girls sort of it takes them sort of an hour of fucking around, running between their houses, looking to realize that they didn't just wander off. They've probably been kidnapped or something. And yeah. so most of the movie... They're fucking around near an RV, and the RV is... When they go outside, the RV's gone, and so are the And so girls. are the kids, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it it mostly, mostly surrounds Hugh Jackman as Keller Dover, who is one of the, one of the fathers. Fucking hell, <laughs> I never knew his name. Is it really Keller Dover? Jesus Keller Christ. Dover. That is insane. Keller Dover, and then Terence <laughs> Howard, who plays the other father of the other family, um, and and it's essentially a movie all about the police investigation into trying to find where these two girls have gone missing. At the same time, as Hugh Jackman sort of reckons he knows who did it, but can't prove it, so he's sort of taking the law into his own hands. Right, uh, and that's that's pretty well the whole movie. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good sum up. It also has a great performance by Paul Dano playing Alex Jones, the uh, yeah, right. conservative so, Infowars host. <laughs> so P- Paul Dano plays the uh, like they're gonna lock me in a shower, folks. They're gonna lock me in a shower. There's gonna be no line. They're gonna spray me with hot water and cold water. Something, something, turning the frogs gay. Yeah. Um, Paul Dano plays a like a thirty year old guy who has the IQ of a ten year old that was yeah. the guy driving this RV 
around that went missing when the girls went missing. And so he immediately cops the blame. This weird, creepy guy who went missing and drove off in his RV immediately cops the blame for probably having kidnapped these dudes. And so a good and they, they find the, the RV and he runs from the cops and they're like, okay, this dude definitely did it. And yeah. he feels kind of nervous. And for the, so for the first sort of hour of the movie, you almost like... It, it's it's spent like watching like Hugh Jackman and the cops and everyone yelling at this poor guy who seems mm. so nervous and you're like fuck they've got the ro- they've got the wrong dude it yeah. really feels like Paul Dano was just some poor guy that was just in the wrong place at the wrong time right he, but he, he, he plays yeah. the character really well as being this really quiet timid kind of guy who would just get spooked and just run from the cops. He would, but, really but there's something sure. to him that's creepy enough that you're like, but look, yeah. maybe, maybe It'll he like, knows more than he's letting on. And it's really written very well. And it's played very believably. Like it's, you can't tell whether he's putting up a front or whether he really is this timid, stupid guy or what. And so I think four out of every five scenes, you feel sorry for him. And then something will happen in the fifth scene where you go, <gasps> and it's, it, it's making you really empathize with uh, Hugh Jackman because he's looking for yeah. any, any sign that, yeah, uh, Alex Jones might have done it, and I think and it really works. Setting it does because Jackman's it makes perspective you, like yeah, that. it makes you it makes you be like, paranoid. oh fuck, he has to, he did, he must have done it. He's why would he do that if he hasn't done it? And it makes yeah. you very paranoid about Alex. It, yeah, it flicks between Hugh Jackman is really the main. There's two families, but really the main the main dad, the main character is Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and um, there's this other family who the other. I, I don't think you mentioned, from. but Jake Gyllenhaal plays the other major character. Right, in this so film. That was fuck it. Terrence so he, Howard. So Terrence Howard is a secondary character. The, other, the second family isn't really in it very much, other than Hugh yeah, Jackman. Yeah. Like you got to come help me with this crazy harebrained scheme, and him being like, oh. Yeah. So Ooh. half the movie is Hugh Jackman. Um, trying to just like hell bent on proving that this RV guy did it despite all evidence to the contrary and then the other half is the cop played by Jake Gyllenhaal as like a almost like a serious Jake Peralta type like a I young reckon, I reckon a young this cop led... who's never never not solved a case he's solved every case he's ever been given yeah, he's and that's like the first shot. thing you learn yeah he's got this cool haircut it's the first thing you've ever learned about him is that it almost feels like he's got something to prove yeah yeah um, so okay I will say before we get into this, uh, <laughs> Bad Jake, <news> for you, boy. <laughs> uh, this came out in 2013. Nightcrawler came out in 2014. Do you think Jake Gyllenhaal's performance? Oh, you never seen Nightcrawler? Oh, okay. No. Well, in that case, let me change my narrative. I think Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal's performance in this film led to his performance in uh, led to him being cast in Nightcrawler. In Nightcrawler, he plays like a full-on psychopath who like follows uh he like tunes into police scanners and shows up at crime scenes to get uh local news footage before police can wrap it off like a paparazzi but for accidents and crimes where people have been violently shot and killed and whatever yeah Yeah. and he's like a real creepy real creepy psychopath um and i reckon in this (laughs) film he he has like little tones of that in it. I think he, I actually think he and Hugh, he and Hugh Jackman's characters are meant to be uh, basically the same character, but on kind of from a totally different perspective, but they both have this like obsessive quality to them where they cannot let something go until they have to their own level of satisfaction ruled it out or, like solved it to a satisfactory degree and well, it ends up also, being like self-destructive in both of them. 
the best bit is you're kind of on both characters' sides. So the dad is kind of like, despite all evidence, he's got a hunch and he's working towards that hunch. And he thinks he knows where his daughter is and he just has to fucking prove it somehow. And the cop is sort of trying to see all sides. And he's a lot, so Jake Gyllenhaal's character is a lot more by the book. Yeah. And he's a lot more like, well, to be fair, I've got to do it this way and I've got to do it this yeah, way. Yeah, and whenever he's and so, like, Hugh Jackman's character argues with him a lot and he's always like, sir, I'm going to have to ask you to come down. Sir, I'm doing my best. We're going to find yeah, your like daughter. Jake sir, Gyllenhaal back never off. loses his shit. And yeah. Hugh Jackman's whole character is like, man who loses his, his shit. <laughs> man whose shit is lost <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. 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 Yep. Oh, man, if, if he wanted some shit, then oh, boy, <laughs> oh, yeah. I know where he Should could have look. Should have talked to you, mate. In my house. <laughs> Um, something I really like about Hugh I'm Jackman's so character though, is that he's not this crazy guy who's yelling at everyone the whole time or you're like oh this guy's an idiot I wish he'd just listened to Jake Gyllenhaal who's mm. the professional you're sort of on both people's side the whole time like, well, yeah, this, like yeah at the very like, least like, you understand why yeah you know, like th- there's this moment where, like, um, in any other movie, I feel like the dad is under so much stress. He'd be yelling at all his family, being like, "You guys don't understand, man. Fuck off and let me deal with this." And in this movie, Hugh Jackman is like trying to keep it on the DL, trying to keep his family members like out of all the bullshit that he's dealing but with. But he does end up being like aside. totally he neglectful. Does, yeah. But he takes his son aside at one point, like when he takes his son aside and is like, "Hey." I know you're having a hard time. I know mm. that I know that you're really stressed about this. You'll be fine. You're a good kid. Take care of your mother. And it, I, the way it was delivered re- made me really feel like Hugh Jackman was really feeling the character. And it was like, man, he's a good dad. But and he's I, also I, he is he in that moment. He that. is also saying, "You, he's like, I'm gonna fuck off. You're the, the man in the house now. <laughs> I'll see you later, bro." <laughs> like, yeah. yeah I so, so. I, 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 I get where you're coming from. I agree, but I, I feel like it's, it's not quite. He's not like. He's not an archetypal like good father figure because he is. I thought too he sort of was. Self- I thought the whole, so- nah, I don't know. I, I thought disagree the whole point that. of that opening shot where he's shooting the deer and doing the Lord's prayer and everything is like all about how he's a very principled, moral guy, and this is about like what it would take to break someone like that. He's principled according first- to his own set of principles, I think. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. I I really sort of got the idea that it was like it showed his decline. As like at the start, he like tries to go through official channels where he goes to the policeman and says, "This fucking RV guy did it. Mm. How? What do you reckon, bruh?" And when the, when Jake Gyllenhaal's like, "Oh, I don't have any evidence," Ooh. it's like <laughs> Hugh Jackman like slowly starts to lose his shit more and more and more, and then it, it's it's like his decline into. It's like both characters, Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman, are set down the same path, and they choose like totally different approaches to the same problem. Right, I think and it's really and, interesting. and so like without meaning to spoil anything, like um, he, the reason why Hugh Jackman's character has any moral ambiguity to him at all is because he decides to, uh, he decides to deal with the situation. Seeks to enact now. vigilante. <laughs> he seeks to enact vigilante justice yeah. as he sees it, and so He's like Batman to Jake Gyllenhaal's Commissioner Gordon. Right, and and so the question is. Is he justified in doing what he does, despite the fact yeah. that he ends up doing some pretty horrible stuff? And um, all in the whereas, of like trying to save his daughter, right? And, and so, like, the question is whether or not you know whether or not the he, his character, I guess, is about asking the question like, do do ends justify means? Um, and yeah. if 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 the law is going to be too slow or too bureaucratic to achieve like arguably justice, then mm. is it morally correct to 
go out on your own outside of those bounds and and try to enact justice. And again, Without thinking it. about how, like, if the ca- if the whole point of the character study is, like, do ends justify means, I love the way the ending of the movie forces you to question that even more. Mm. It's so... We, we, should, we should get into it a bit more. Um, yeah, but- this movie came out in 2013. If you're going to... Let, let, let's just say, like, I, I, I think it's really hard to talk about because this movie has some really great uh, turning like points. morality type, yeah. Well, turning points. And I think it's really hard to talk about the movie as a whole without talking about those turning points because they're sort of the most significant points of the plot. So, this movie I- is directed by Denis Villeneuve, who's an excellent director. The cinematography is by Roger Deakins. Like, it looks fantastic. Some great performances by Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. It's, it's, I would say it's one of the best, like crime thriller kind of type movies well, as you say like Gone Girl if you want to watch one of those I think yeah that, yeah um, Denis Villeneuve is brilliant as well he's done Sicario Arrival Prisoners Blade Runner 2049 my favourite movie in the world yep he's doing the new June movie he, he's, he's very he's, good yeah this is I feel like it's a realistic crime thriller kind of drama movie so if you're into like, like true, if you're into true crime this is like a movie yeah. for you this you is know? very suspenseful the whole way through I feel like I yeah. got a bit of a like a true detective kind of vibe from yeah, this movie yeah sure yeah yeah totally um, and and similar like dynamic of like unfortunately two male characters but yeah, yes exactly I, yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. And I, th- I think that if you're after some sort of super... Sus- it's not scary, but it, no, it definitely not keeps the suspense the whole way through and you're not really sure where it's going the whole way, in, in, right. in, a, in the best possible way. This is your spoiler warning. It's your spoiler what? warning. Uh, if, you, if, what you, if what we've just talked about sounds appealing, you're going to get a lot less out of the movie if you listen to us talk about it and then yeah. you actually want to watch it. So, so yeah. Great. Here we are. So there's a definite turning point in the movie where Jake Gyllenhaal... I, I think it's... About for the first 45 minutes of the movie, it's literally like Hugh Jackman saying, well, I don't have any other clues to go on, but that RV was there and now it's gone. So that dude kidnapped my daughter. And Jake Gyllenhaal sort of follows up on it and doesn't really get anywhere and sort of says, well, I can't. I can't prove shit, dude. So I'm going to ignore that clue from now on. As soon as the RV... And as soon as the yeah. RV runs away, he's like, oh, this dude probably did it. And then they bring him in and, and he's like, oh, he's just a scared kid. Like, he, uh, yeah. we can't and, get and him on what, this. You get that feeling of, like, he was just some scared kid in the wrong place at the right. wrong time that saw all these flashing police sirens and got spooked and ran like, away. Like, of course he ran, yeah. Yeah, and so you get you get this um, this feeling that this RV guy... You can't. You you're not really sure either way, and so he, mm. uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's like, well, I can't prove it, so sorry, man, but I'm gonna have to. I, I have to let him go. And Hugh Jackman's like, fuck that, he's my man. And so, <laughs> yeah. so you get this diverging path where, for the rest of the movie, you get Jake Gyllenhaal trying to work the case, and you get all these different cool little diversions and all these different. Different but related cases that he's working on, which I really like. Really, the thing that really wins you back and and makes the movie where, where I, I feel like it really sits you in the driver's seat again is when you hear Paul Dano after um, Hugh Jackman assaults him at the police station when he's being brought out and uh, Hugh Jackman like punches him or something or or he grabs this him. big crowd of paparazzi, Hugh Jackman right. pulls him up close and Paul Dano completely breaks character as this like stupid adult man. Yeah, and, and just says they only. Crazy he says like they only Jack. cried when I left, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, and so and he, you're just like, well, that is obviously relevant to. Yeah, he knows something about this. And There's no he's way. It's so mysterious that it could just be something crazy that this crazy guy says. But at the same time, it's like it only makes sense if he's the guy that 
kidnap the kids. And it's so for the, the rest it's of the, the movie, piece of evidence got, that you need to yeah. doubt yourself. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman is the only one that witnesses him say that along with the audience. Right. So you've got this one little piece of evidence that keeps you going between these two characters and you're never really sure who to root for. Hugh Jackman ends up imprisoning... Um, abducting uh, Paul Dano's character. Paul Dano's yeah. character and Alex like abducting Jones. him in this like, yeah, imprisoning him, imprisoning him in this like abandoned old house that he somehow owns. Yeah, uh, and torturing him. Can I just him. say? Can I just say? It's fucking wild that he decided this was after Alex Jones was a thing, right? Alex Jones was a thing while we were in high school, like five <laughs> years. You really before. hung up on that. It name. is insane that he named him that. That's like naming someone like Roger Stone or like. <laughs> fucking Adolf Hitler and just being like, oh, I mean, I knew there was a famous one, but I, you know, I didn't think it would matter. It's really distracting. The, the driver of the RV, Ringo Starr. Literally, yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I know Alex Jones is more complicated, but just even like, I don't know, Adrian Jones or something. Like it, uh, very, Anyway, bad very decision. Weird. Very bad um, decision. So yeah, he abducts case- him and he ends up like chaining him to a sink in an abandoned building and like beating the fuck out of him and basically mm. torturing him to try and get him to admit or tell him, give him more beating information him- about where the girls are. Yeah, beating him to a pulp. Like it, it gets to a point where his face looks like it's been stung by a hundred bees. It's really, like, really the violent. The makeup yeah. is really impressive in this movie. Which um, the whole time I was like, stop fucking hitting him, dude. He's going to either tell you whatever you want. He's going to tell you he did it or he's just not going to, he's going to be too concussed. But you, feel, you feel that frustration though because like you, yeah. you heard Hugh, Hugh Jackman heard what he heard and we've seen that and no one right. else believes him. And so Hugh Jackman seems crazy, but to the audience, he seems like a couple dials less crazy just right. because like he keeps saying like, he said this fucking thing and no one believes him. And we're, like, we're like, yeah, man, I'm with you. I, we heard you. We heard him. Yeah. You've probably got something here. Um, on yeah. the other hand, Jake Gyllenhaal is working this case and he keeps getting diverted by all these different all these different bits of the case. And I, <laughs> I really liked, love that. His relationship with his boss is so funny, like where he would walk in and the boss would be like, um, oh, what are you here yeah. for, fuckface? And he's like, yeah, well, I'd be able to do my job properly, but I have to come in and see you again because you fucked up, you fucking moron. Fuck you. Yeah. And the boss is just like... <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that. And he's like, yeah, you better be sorry and it better not happen again, you fucking moron. And the boss is like, <laughs> yeah, all right, it won't happen again, man. It's a really kind of weird dynamic where the boss like makes some mistakes, but we yeah. never really get the boss's character fleshed it's out. It's really weird, isn't it? It's because it like, Jake Gyllenhaal will be like, I need you to watch Alex Jones. Someone might abduct him. And the boss yeah. is like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And then he'll come in like a day later and be like, wait. Someone abducted Alex Jones. What the fuck happened? And he's like, oh, I didn't think it was serious, so I just ignored it. Yeah, and the boss is like, well, that's the one thing I didn't think would happen. <laughs> I thought you were just asking me to watch him to waste my time. It feels like, what it felt like to me was, and it kind of broke me out of it a little bit, I think actually it was maybe a bit like underwritten, was that... Um, it felt like Jake Gyllenhaal was a character that fit in the movie and the boss was like a funny satirical character that would fit in a comedy movie where like the characters needed to be like, yeah. So you just, you promise to make someone sit and follow Alex Jones, right? And they're like, yes, promise. I'm writing it down right now. Follow Alex Jones, right? And then the next day they come in and they're like, yeah, I did the thing. I asked you, I I, I made sure no one was following Alex Jones. Yeah. It was pretty funny, but yeah. Um, yeah, God. You d- um, so I- you do. He he does feel like yeah, he's kind of like bound within the law, and like mm. he 
it feels like he's also willing to act outside of the law a little bit. If well, yeah, like you sort of get these bits where he sort of on the one he feels like maybe he should be listening to Hugh Jackman and says, "Well, maybe I can like keep this guy another couple of days in the police station, even though I can't prove that." Yeah, he, he actually tries to act anything. on his leads. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, I keep getting covered to, but I re- I really liked how it fleshed out the cop story by getting him to do other shit. Like he's got other stuff going on. It follows. Mm. It feels like when you're yeah, following, he goes to following that Alex Jones, house the and finds yeah, a body. Goes, yeah, exactly. He goes to the priest house, and that's a fucking twenty minute diversion. He has to go and he visit every the, sex offender in the surrounding location, and there's a creepy them, yeah. guy that comes to this candlelight vigil uh, for the two girls. That guy, like, that guy has just been typecast as like insane yeah. criminal. He's in a different yeah. movie as well, and I can't remember what it is, but he plays basically the same character. <laughs> He's just like insane, yeah, scary-looking man. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and so, but that that guy, um, uh, he, he follow they they follow a whole subplot where there's this creepy-looking guy at the candlelight vigil. They follow that guy for like 20 minutes and there's yeah. all these different interweaving things that you're not really, you're, you're thinking like, fuck, this guy's just like going down all these dead ends the whole time, which makes it really engaging to watch the police work. Because on the one hand, it, it, like, it feels like he's actually doing something. It's one of the best written mm. cop dramas I've ever seen in that way where it doesn't feel like, like so, some of these things, it feels like you know the writer has set up his house of cards and you're just watching him set it up so he can knock it down. And then you're like, yeah, 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 just get through all this. But it, this really did feel like we were along for the something about the way. Oh it was yeah, the, the creepy you. guy. You sorry, like- it was bugging me. The creepy guy plays the guy at the at the uh, desk in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I think right. he's I think he's like totally bald in that one, isn't he? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, no, 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 he's not. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. He's in Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Sorry, Christ. you're on a real roll. Yeah, so it, it, just, it just feels like with a lot of these kind of cop movies or crime movies, it feels like the writer has like set up a puzzle and you're very conscious of the fact that you're watching them place all the pieces in front at, of you. At their discretion. And you're like, where's it going? But with this right. movie, it really felt like it was, you were just watching Jake Gyllenhaal blindly fuck around mm. and hope that he found a clue. And he was like, it felt like you were watching him follow every single clue he got. Like... He, he has nothing to go on and he and goes, a bunch like, of oh, them just lead nowhere yeah exactly he's like I'm gonna go and visit every single sex offender on the street and find out find out if they know anything about it. and you watch right. him do all that and it seems to lead nowhere and then you watch him like look for all these suspicious like he finds another crime but it's unrelated yeah and I, I really thought that was effective and it, it, it really it helped me sort of lose myself in the world of the movie where like right. both of the characters were sort of vainly sort of uh, yeah, like thrashing around in the darkness trying to find the solution to this big problem. And they were both taking completely different approaches. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Did you, did you see the... it was really slow as well. And I really liked that. Right. It definitely, yeah, it definitely has a... Um, and I feel like the, the slowness of the... It, it's not like a slow film, but it... Um, it well, takes like very its... little happens in the plot for the first 45 minutes. Yeah. But it still feels so suspenseful. It's very like tense. First... And I think yeah. part of the reason why it achieves that so well, there's a video game called uh, Heavy Rain. <laughs> and I don't know if you've played it or not, but the, the premise is that you play a father. Well, you actually play three characters. But one of the characters is a father whose kid has been abducted. Yeah. And... Um, you're you have to try and and actually you play a father and the one of the other characters is a detective so I guess it's kind of a similar yeah. setup, but um, the whole time you learn that the 
ki- your kid has probably been abducted by this current serial abductor who's like known as the I can't I'm not going to be able to remember the name but basically he abducts kids and puts them in storm water drains during periods of heavy rain and so like uh, it gives that's the them name a, of the game man it is the name of the game actually I'd never noticed that and it gives them a <laughs> uh like it it puts a timer on the whole thing because you're basically like all of the kids that, that have ever been abducted by this dude have died within a period of like seven days because they get drowned because the stormwater drains fill up during these periods of time. And so like the whole time you're playing the game, you, there's this like every time you do something that doesn't lead to you discovering something about the whereabouts of your son, you feel so frustrated because you're like time, I, that was wasted time. Time is yeah, ticking right. away. Uh, it's just like sand slipping through my hands and it feels so frustrating to have <laughs> not gotten another lead or not found more, yeah. not gotten closer. And, that's, and I think that's this movie does this the movie same does, thing with yeah. its pacing. Yeah, it definitely does. And it's especially since like you get, you get Jay Gyllenhaal like blindly following all these, every single clue and you get to see him following every single clue he gets yeah. because you, you get nothing. These little girls go missing based off like, a random RV parked on the side of the road. There really is like that's very all you little. get. Yeah, um, and then you get like Hugh Jackman seemingly just beating the shit out of this one guy for two hours, three weeks, or whatever it is, and just yeah. hoping that this guy will eventually crack. And so, like, the way it keeps setting up the stakes and like up and up and up, it's so good. Um, mm. I've got like I I like a lot of the way the film is constructed as well. There's a lot of really interesting transitions where the music sets the mood for the next scene in a way that music was done by uh, Johan Johansson, who also did yeah. the soundtrack for Arrival and Mandy. Yeah, so like there's a um, there's a bit in the scene where in one of the scenes where Hugh Jackman is first torturing. Alex in the yeah. abandoned house where um, there's no music really and then Hugh Jackman starts beating the shit out of Alex and starts torturing him and then this like very calm synthesizer these like synth tones start to fade up these very slow calm soothing kind of tones fade up around us watching Hugh Jackman beat the shit out of this guy right Jesus and that's how they transition from the torture scene straight to the candlelight vigil scene <laughs> right and it's re- it works really well because it makes it a much less harsh transition. And then you get... Um, it almost lends this weird tone to the torture where you're sort of resigned to it happening. Well, and I guess it's like catharsis. It's, suspense- for, yeah. it's catharsis for everyone involved in both scenarios except Alex, right? Where, like, yeah. this is Hugh Jackman trying to... <laughs> trying to do something pragmatic and, and cathartic and do what he can. And yeah, then exactly. it's the community it, trying to do what they can. It gives this weird feel. Yeah. It, it sort of likens them both. And it gives this weird sort of feeling to the torture where um, you're watching this guy getting the shit beaten out of him. this like very calming, relaxing kind of music. And it mm. almost, yeah, it lends it this tone of like, um, yeah, catharsis, catharsis is a good word for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it, and it, it almost makes it feel like it's an inevitability and just don't worry about it. It's, <laughs> Right, that I really noticed, and I thought, like, oh man, that's a great way of transitioning between those two scenes that would have felt really jarring if it wasn't for the music. It's kind of hard it's a really to strange choice. It's kind of hard to make note of, but I, I, I'll say, like, this film probably had really great editing. I, I didn't notice it <laughs> at all. Um, but to have a film that was this length and felt this well paced, I'm assuming yeah. uh, I, I wasn't looking for it, but I'd say like the editing was probably really excellent. And I'm looking at a bunch of the awards that it got 
and it did win a bunch <laughs> of awards for editing. So I good guess on it. You're right, man. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, something I also noticed that it was the fact that it was all set during winter means that all the outdoor shots you get this very consistent color palette where everything is always very sort of cool and blue. Yep. And I think it lends like a bit of a like a depressing kind of atmosphere to the whole story. Right. Maybe it's maybe it's kind of obvious. I don't know, but it's like it's set in the middle of winter, which is a depressing time of the year. Yeah, and, and it's like often story. snowing or even like sleeting. This yeah. movie is one of the few movies that has like real sleet in it, where it's like yeah. just wet shit snow. But like it could have been set in the middle of summer, so I think it's inter- it's an interesting right. choice. And I suppose it's not an ob- it's not an accidental thing that it was set in the middle of winter with these very depressing, cool blue, very clinical looking color palettes the whole way through. I feel like, uh, tell me if you agree, I feel like setting it in winter kind of heightens the time pressure because at least you feel like if it was set in summer, literally, it might be a subconscious thing, but you're not worried about exposure. Like you're not worried about where these girls are kept. But if they're kept in winter, like they can't, they weren't wearing outdoor coats or like survival equipment. It's like this could be a a long-term problem or it could be a short-term problem. Right, Either exactly. Way fucked. Yeah, yeah that is exactly. I wonder um, so if it is a, like, just a pragmatic choice like that. I'm not sure if it had to be set during that time, but I feel like it just kind of heightens the concern that you have for these characters while you're not yeah. sure at all of what their circumstances are. I feel, yeah. like, um, I feel like we've talked a lot about the movie, so let's skip towards the end. What did right. you think of the sort of final the final act after they find so I think it sort of kicks off right when Jake Gyllenhaal finds the snakes maybe in um Right whenever that car chase happens Bob Taylor's room yeah That would that car chase was fucking excellent that was oh where so he um that's, that's where that's he way at the end isn't it where he that has is the that's right that's at the end he's got the girl with the yeah, yeah. That's, that's had the poison yeah so skip back a little bit so he finds the he goes the, so he finds the dude who was at the candlelight vigil the weird yeah, looking the cre- guy the creepy the creepy guy the creepy guy so and he the- finds him and he figures out where he lives and he breaks down the door and like arrests this guy and then, or he handcuffs was- him, I guess. And then the the dude has uh, shitloads of snakes around. And, and it's all meant these to be. Mazes and shit drawn right, all Right, and the his walls. walls are covered in mazes. And it was at that moment when I picked all of the rest of the movie. I didn't really understand what the movie was doing with that guy. So, what? Right. That guy. That guy was a. Maybe I'm right. He was a victim of the real. Yeah, he was he was abducted as a kid. I think is the idea that, it, but right. this, this dude was abducted when he was a kid, and uh, um, was permanently scarred by it. And you don't get much more information about it because he kills himself in the police station. Yeah, maybe it's not really revealed. But the thing that throws a spanner in the works at that point that makes you not quite sure what the deal oh, is yeah. is that he you're told bloody- that his he, he has the bloody clothes in the snake boxes there was definitely some kind of some kind of double cross where he, this crazy guy with all the snakes that look creepy at the the, the the vigil has all these snakes and he has all the bloody clothes of the kids that went missing and they get positively identified and it turns right. it showed you him sneaking into their house earlier in the movie and so you work out that he snuck into their house to steal clothes to put pig blood on and so you, to you're fake like the idea. right that dude did it and he's at that just point Nick in Leo, the movie you're point, like that dude cr- did yeah. it yeah, so he's just yeah. crazy. And so when you find out that he when he when, when you see him kill himself in the police station, 
you're like, oh, well, they're fucked because that was the killer and now he's right, dead. Right, right, that's right. Gonna... I forgot that happened. And there's yeah, this so... twisty... T- so then at the same time, they bring these stories together really well where you've but, then got Hugh Jack. Why does Hugh Jackman go to the old lady's house? He goes to her house at some point and then the other child of the other family escapes. And she, that they, so he goes to see her in hospital and he's like, where were you? He's like asking her questions and she's not answering any of them. And then she says, you were there. And he realizes that he went to the old woman's house and spoke to her yeah, because he felt fuck. guilty about abducting Alex. I didn't even, and then, I didn't even get that. And, and that's she even says, you were there. This- and he realizes that's where she, they must be being kept. And so he, that's when he goes there with the gun to confront her. Yeah, yeah. So he goes to be like, look, lady, what's going on? And you think like, oh, maybe Alex Jones really is the killer and he was keeping the kids in his parents' place the whole time. Right. And this is of the whole fucking ending, the big twisty ending of the movie where you find out that the old lady that is Alex Jones's mum that he's living with uh, is the real He's actually kidnapper. the one that's kidnapping and abducting kids. With yeah. her husband, and this elderly couple has been kidnapping kids for, for decades. Right, and the husband is the was the corpse in the basement of the priest. Yeah, yeah. that was good shit. That was, that was so no, I really like the ending. Where it was, that's oh when I picked it, because I saw the mazes that, I saw the mazes that were being drawn, and I... Oh, you, like, you saw the maze around the, the neck of the dead body and then you saw a maze on the wall and then you saw a maze <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh, damn. you picked it, did you? When and they told I also, you? <laughs> I was also looking for it and about like, I'd say like two thirds of the way through the movie, I was looking for who it was and I thought, well, it's, all, it's one of the characters we've already met and yeah. it's not going to be any of the characters that are obvious. And so like the only <laughs> other character that's been involved with all the characters that aren't obvious, but is not obvious is the old woman character. So it's absolutely I guess you're her. smarter than me. Well, I think I was. I think I ruined this movie for myself because I was looking for who done it. I think no, I should have just I like just, fucking stopped I, and enjoyed I the thought, ride. I thought right up until the very end that uh, Alex Jones. I D- thought the still creepy did guy. It. I thought creepy guy was the killer, but maybe it was too obvious because they're like, oh, it's this creepy guy with all the fucking snakes and all. And the so blood you thought it was going to be actually Alex Jones. I, I, I thought maybe it was the creepy guy or Alex Jones, and that right. the way the movie was going to end was show a new clue. That proved who did it. So did when you it think was he was going to like Kaiser Soze it, where at the end he like Alex Jones like gets into a taxi and speaks perfectly eloquently and is like <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, walks well, that's away. kind of what it was hinting towards because he yeah. had that moment of. I was um, wondering if it was going to do something similar. Yeah, he had that moment of clarity where Hugh Jackman attacked him in the car park, where he was the only one who could hear him, and he said right. like, "They only cried when I left," and it's still not quite clear what he meant by that. Oh no, he was abducted by the family and also abused. And so he left because he left and he was ostensibly their son, but he was like the first one that they abducted, right? And so he was at the household and he would clearly like play with the kids or like interact with them in some way and then he left at a point and that's when they cried. So he knows where they are. That's a stretch. He knows, but he knows where they are because they're in the house that he grew up in, and so he knows also that the, his family abducts people because they yeah. abducted him, and so like he 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 actually does know where they are the whole time, and he doesn't reveal it, but he is like traumatized to the point where he's incapable of right. And so I feel it. like something we haven't revealed for the people that still haven't watched this fucking movie is you find out that uh, Paul Dano's character Alex Jones 
was yeah no you just said it sorry yeah the first kid they ever abducted so he's yeah. not really the child they, of this old couple they like they raised, raised him, him as their son their yeah. own um no i really love that the, the, the and twist I, I, I think the, where i you think find the creepy guy i think bob uh bob taylor the creepy guy that draws the mazes on his wall is their actual son i don't think so. well, they said maybe not but they said the son died of cancer and they, that's I when think they the, became I think really the, religious. The, I think the creepy guy is just some other random fucking guy who was obsessed with child abductions because he himself was abducted. Okay, right. Okay. Is all you're supposed um, to get out of that. Um, no, it's, right. it's really great. This I is going to be a nightmare to edit because I'm going to try and make it coherent. <laughs> oh, you're fucked. It's going to be us um, being like, fuck, was he that guy or the other dude? And I think he <laughs> Hugh, died. No, he didn't <laughs> die. He died of cancer. Oh, shit. And then Hugh Jackman, at the very ending of the movie. Yeah. He goes to confront the old woman. Goes together and he gets imprisoned and tranked and fucking thrown in the same hole that his daughter has been thrown in. I thought the um, what did you think of like the purple drink <laughs> recipe? That was a bit weird, wasn't it? It was a little bit weird, but I also like that more than um, the I liked, normal, like, like I liked like her forcing him to drink it. Yeah, the, then the normal because cool. normally they do like the I don't know the, the hypodermic needle in the neck or something, or like and that's very tired. Whatever, yeah. yeah, yeah. So no, I, I was, at the same time I was like, that's weird, and then I think it's, it's like just weird because I haven't really seen it before. Bullshit. Yeah, I thought it was right. cool. Yeah. Um, so the very, 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 very last shot of the movie, I thought was so cool. In the same it way as the movie, pretty well done. Yeah. In the same way as the final shot of Inception makes you feel like a fucking genius. You're not sure if they're gonna find it or not. Yeah. Yeah. So like the final, the final shot of Inception where you're not sure whether the top is like toppling or topple. not, and it, yeah. you talk about it for ages. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal realizes like an. Hours, hours after Keller went to go and confront this old lady and has been imprisoned himself in the same pit, secret hole under the house yeah. where his daughter She's was. parked a car over, over him. Yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal goes and finds the body of the young daughter in the house and rushes her to hospital. She's just been poisoned. And it's this awesome car chase through. It was so good. It's not even Such a, chase. a chase. I think that's one of the things that makes it really yeah. not like, it's just, he's just driving like, like a dodging, like insane. Driving like a maniac through all this traffic all the way to the hospital. Which and he's is been so like, He's like narrowly been grazed by a bullet, so he's got blood in his eyes and stuff. It's really and the way crazy. It sh- yeah, yeah. And the way it shows you his blurred vision through the rain of the windshield and through the blood oh, God, of his vision so through stressed. the traffic. <laughs> it's so stressful. And it's I honestly thought and that he wasn't going to make it. It's that type of movie. Like, Yeah, and, and at that point, because of all the suspicious shit that's been happening with Keller where they sort of know he's been torturing this guy, they right. think he's on the run. And yeah, for whatever yeah, reason, yeah. at the very last minute, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal goes back to the house where the old lady was where the little girl was imprisoned and he's like looking around for one last little clue Mm. and you hear this little like this little whistle it's the red whistle which is a motif for the whole film because that's what they disappeared looking for at the start oh man and they, they play it and he has this like crazy little like what kind of look on his face well, he the does whole it, time? He, he, it, it happens like three or four times, and the first couple yeah. of times he ignores it, and then you're like, fuck, hear it, dude. It can't end like that. And then he's like, nah, I must have been imagining it. And then he does it one more time, and he like looks up and starts, he's like, I yeah. definitely was not imagining it's, that. It's like, it's like, yeah, the movie ends with him going like, <gasps> and lo- looking up, and then it cuts, and you're like, oh! <laughs> yeah, so you never get the triumph. <laughs> but I don't know, I saw that as a lot more. Ending. I think that was very like definitive. I think that he's obviously gonna find him. Yeah, but I like that. That's but I like how nice. cool that is as an ending. That like it really feels like they filmed the last five minutes and then cut it. 
Yeah, like, and I think it it felt it did feel like um it almost felt like it was trying a little too hard to tug at my heartstrings, but it did feel I wasn't sure if he would be dead or not. And so you still, still as soon as really I heard sure. well, as soon as I heard the first whistle uh, go, I realized like he wasn't dead. And I honestly then, didn't. Re- I didn't hear the first. The first couple, I thought maybe it was like ambient noise in my. Room. All right. Well, maybe you meant to, but I. Yeah. yeah. I. Th- I think again, I was probably looking for how they were going to tie up the movie. So I was. And like, I didn't see the time bar. I had no idea how much was left of the movie. Was. Right. Okay. Yeah. So when when they give when he when they finally like when the whistle becomes obvious to Jake Gyllenhaal was the first time the whistle became obvious to Big Tiggs. Right. And uh, yeah, that that's a good way to experience it, I think. Right. Yeah, it was so good. Oh man, I love I, it. I can't remember. Do they do the police ever get Alex out? Does he cuz he he's in he's in the shower, like remember. in the shower box. And I, I don't think anyone ever like goes and breaks him out, no, right? I don't think so. Cuz I thought like, I don't know, it would have been an interesting uh story point if Alex had like been tortured to the point where he died and so it was kind of this like because hugh jackman's character is still ostensibly going to prison like he abducted and tortured someone which you don't not go to prison for even (laughs) if even if it was to try and like locate your young children so yeah i don't know i feel like even if he and it is a bit of a bittersweet oh no no alex is reunited there's like a news report where it shows that like alex um Alex is like reunited with his parents after being missing for twenty years or something. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's. I think it's Jake Gyllenhaal like reading a newspaper. Yeah. Right. Okay, no, this so is he a, does. This was a cool movie. Yeah. I definitely think it wasn't my favorite movie, but it was a really cool crime. I, I think it's wild that someone would say this was their favorite movie because it was <laughs> definitely really good. But nothing about it was my favorite that anything has ever been. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely feel like um, in terms of suspenseful crime dramas, it's one of the best I've ever seen. Uh, my, for sure. If we're going to do a little better than worse then, I well, I've already think, got mine, yeah. I teased okay. it before. I think, yeah, Gone Girl, I think I enjoy Gone Girl more than this. I think yeah. this is worse than Gone Girl. My, and that, to be my, fair, that's David Fincher. So Fincher versus Villeneuve, yeah. that's a tough, that's a and, tough battle. Yeah, and I, I really got the, the Widows. So my better than worse than is this movie is better than Widows, worse than Gone Girl. Okay, yeah, I, liked, I agree. I, I liked Widows, but I definitely felt that Widows gave you a lot of that same feeling of like an amateur that's been shoved headfirst into this world of crime and they're right, kind of out of their depth right, in right, a way right, that Hugh right. Jackman really does really well throughout the whole movie. Um, what do you think of Jackman's performance, by the way? Who? Hugh Jackman. Jack, Jackman. I thought you said like Joaquin. Like, like Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin's Joaquin performance. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was good. I think that Hugh Jackman's <sighs> American accent never quite convinces I, me. I really just didn't. It maybe if you're, maybe if you're not Australian, affected. maybe if yeah. you're not Australian, it sounds fine. But he was, I think he was the weakest link in this entire movie, to be honest. No, I, I think his character is great. I think if anything, his accent, yeah. just because I know he's Australian... It bugged me a bit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really like Hugh Jackman. Though. I think he's great. Another, I enjoyed another... this more. Uh, if we need one more worse than, so that we don't have the same. I also enjoyed this more than I enjoyed The Departed, uh, the Scorsese. Oh, movie. The Departed's another. Good, you like this better than The Departed? You didn't like I like this better much? than Departed. I did not like it. I just thought well, that's this a was, big call. Then 
I liked it I, better I, than it. Another thing that this reminds me of is the TV series Fargo with uh, the first season with. I, I like all it. of Fargo more than I liked this. I like the tone of Fargo so much more. Yeah, well, the to- tonally it's completely different, but I suppose thematically in terms of like civilians that get out of their depth in this crime. That is one of the most compelling world. like types of shows, isn't it? Where like, yeah, there's yeah, someone, like normal person. Yeah, is forced yeah, yeah. to do. I think that Fargo is another thematically similar kind of kind of <laughs> piece of media. Yeah, where piece if you're of looking for something, if you, media. if you like Fargo, if you like Gone Girl, if you like Widows, I think you'll love this movie. Yeah, I think it's it's really good, and I think like we were saying before, it's just like. Well, if you're listening this far, you've already not- seen it, but oh, it's yeah. all right. Well, if it feels a couple, I feel like you can still get something out of it. It feels a couple notches. Maybe not, actually. <laughs> I reckon not. It feels a couple but... notches smarter than your standard crime movie. Yeah. In a way where you feel smart watching it. Like you, like the the ending with the whistle where you just you hear a very faint little noise in the breeze that's supposed to show you that Hugh Jackman's still alive and Jake Gyllenhaal's about to find him. You know, like it doesn't it doesn't put too much together for you. Like all these little red herrings and clues that Jake Gyllenhaal's going off for the rest of the movie. It doesn't feel the need to tie it up too quickly. It's happy with you thinking like, oh, that's what was all, that was all a complete waste of time. And it's it it uses the fact that it feels like a complete waste of time to its complete advantage so that when right. it can tie it up together later in the movie and it actually turns out to have been relevant, you don't feel like you've been tricked or lied to. But no. you also don't feel like it's wasted your time or, or anything. It's yeah, like, totally. It's like all of those scenes have served a double purpose, where on the one hand, they were great clues for the end of the movie that you can go back and think about. But on the other hand, they were also really engaging little subplots. Yeah, yeah. You know I also I mean? really, I thought one of like Alex's characters was one of the most interesting characters in uh, crimes because like in, yeah. crimes, in crime in crime fiction media because <laughs> in all of the like, crimes that I've bad witnessed <laughs> in all of the crimes I've done um because it felt like a lot of these stories always have like um either they have uh either they have a mm. they've got either they have good guys or good people and bad people or <laughs> they do a bait and switch where they have good people and other good people that turn out to be bad people. And in this, like, Paul Dano's character is actually just a victim for, like, all of the movie. And How good and, is and, that? And really, idea, like, yeah. your suspicions further victimize him because he really never did anything wrong. I sort of touched on that earlier. I feel that reminds me of whatever the hint was I was trying to drop earlier that I've now kind of forgotten, but it was about, sure. like... Um, no, I've lost it, but it was kind of something along the lines of that, where, like, yeah, just the idea of, like, you're never quite sure whether Paul Dano is innocent or not. And the fact that it's like, no, not only is he completely innocent, he's actually one of the biggest victims of this whole fucking thing. Right, yeah. And the torture so and pain great. that he experiences at no fault of his own, other than, like, being in the wrong place at the wrong time, um, is really, like, honestly, you, by the end of the movie, you're almost overlooking how fucking tragic Alex's character is, but it really always, is so well, tragic. It would always be interesting to go back and watch the movie again with that lens, knowing that, like, everything Alex says, he's not... I suppose he's still being evasive, but, like... Right. It'd be, it'd be interesting to go back and watch Paul Dana's performance knowing how his character turns out. 
to see yeah, like I mean it's just someone who's been traumatized and scarred so badly that like they don't you can't expect them to act in any normal fashion so anytime they exhibit like suspicious behavior it's like well that's because they're not normal yeah and like a normal person acting that way sure that's suspicious but a an abused mentally uh very mentally damaged person with a lot of trauma will act in strange ways that don't represent like any yeah. kind of like moral failing or guilt. It makes so me wonder whether to some degree really that's a fair twist to have in a the movie then. Just the it's like that almost feels like a oh it was evil it was twins kind of twist where it's like, nah what you saw wasn't like you were you were trying to watch a character that you thought was like behaving rationally and like was maybe like double bluffing everyone but actually he just had like a severe mental mental handicap i think more and so it's just you know a, what i mean it's a it's cautionary like, oh, it's like, oh, everything we showed you was a lie kind of i think it's more like it's a cautionary tale against uh believing that you're like being convinced too early of something without actually being yeah. having any real evidence of it they're the prisoners of their own well and uh, i guess the, pre-conclu- the, the, preconceptions the other the other the, the like twist on that is that uh, and like you were tying it up and I think we should but just one of the things that I think differentiates this from other movies of its ilk yeah. is is Alex's character and yeah it, it, the the real tragedy behind Alex's character is that if he hadn't said the thing that he said then Hugh Jackman would never have touched him probably um, yeah but he said the thing because he probably like was giving a little bit of an insight into the trauma or like trying to help maybe or whatever, but he just couldn't ever then follow through on or clarify it. Yeah. Right. And, and uh, he was never really going to be able to do that until like, he just, he's only able to like choke out that he's not who people call him. He's not the name that people call him. And that's like all the information he ever really gives in the film. It's really, really interesting. Also, I just noticed that uh, Viola Davis plays the wife of the other family. And that's the same, kid, but she and was also in she Widows. She's the main character in Widows, yeah. Yeah. Interesting I, I thought about Widows, and then she was the next person that popped up on the screen. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah, okay. Good. So, there's our Better Than Worse Than. Um, this movie... Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to put timestamps of like when we finish doing spoilers as well. Um, uh, I think I could get a better than worse than and then spoiled it right after that. So you're fucked anyway. I know. I, yeah, I, I, I screwed it. Um, I went I went back into analysis after we tied it up. <laughs> I, I really fucked up the order. But um, this movie's worth your time. It's really yeah. good. Um, and what did we say? Better than Widows, worse than Gone Girl. Gone Girl and right worse, than, worse than Fargo in terms of ordinary people thrown into uh, circumstances outside the law. Better criminal criminal ongoings, yeah. And better than The Departed as well, yeah. Cool. Okay, well, that concludes your weekly dose of Beef Station. Great. Thank yeah. you for joining us for another week. Hope you enjoyed this little one here. We'll have some sort of tasty Jonah Johansson uh, morsel under, yeah, under my voice right now. Uh, <laughs> if you'd like to email us, the email address is beefstationpod at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook page where there isn't a great deal of discussion going on at the moment, but we'll be keen to hear what you thought of this movie or what you're watching at the moment, how you're coping I'm, I'm with gonna all make the isolation music. we're in the midst of. I'm going to make the end music The Prisoner's Song by Vernon Dalhart. <laughs> Came out I hope it's Unbeliever by the Monkeys. <laughs> um, that would have been a good idea. And it's been going this whole time, and now they only understand <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Might might just do that. (laughs) Um, 
Yeah, yeah all, all, all the regular information where you can follow us on Facebook and all that is in our little description on the podcast here. Next week, we haven't quite decided what we're going to do yet, but have a look in the description once. By the time this comes out, we will have decided what we're doing, and you can follow on for next yep. week. Yep. Thank you for joining us. I'm Oscar. I'm Andrew. See you later. See you later. Stay safe out there. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>